Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. There's no purpose in teaching anybody who don't really want to learn, who really don't want to get to it. Everybody want to play entrepreneur. They don't want the sacrifice that come with this shit. Hmm. True. Late nights, early mornings. You're going to lose friends, lose girlfriends, family going to call you crazy, not going to believe in you, then you make it, and then everybody going to be like, I'm proud of you, let me get some money. What I've realized that wealthy people understand, mm-hmm. and people in general, it's the small concepts that you can apply to get wealthy. You don't got to be super smart and got to know all the intricacies of real estate or taxes or e-commerce or whatever, trucking, whatever it is. It's good if you want to be rich in that business, but you don't need to know that. You don't need to know everything. You just need to know small, basic concepts. Mm -hmm. And one of the smallest basic concepts that anybody can understand is get money by income. Mm. Get money by more money. I woke up feeling wealthy today. My bank account might not agree, but hey, that shit on the way. Me and my niggas laying brick on top of brick till we straight. If you the type that play the victim, you can't come in my space. You know this game ain't for the weak, it's hard to carry this weight. I keep my balance through the ups and downs, I'm never gonna break. You feel the purpose in my spirit when you look in my face. Cause this ain't a second, I can waste some good food on place. What's good, wealthy people? Your boy David Bellard, one fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance crew, here live with my co-host Jalen Clark. Jalen, how you living, dog? What's good? What's good, y'all? It's your boy Jalen, man. I'm doing great, dog. I ain't gonna lie, a little full of tequila. Hey, that tequila been getting me. I'm feeling great, like, but I'm good, man. So. The shit just this has been a great day. Yeah, Big, man, great another Saturday, great, great, man. great recording session, season four of the Black Wolf Renaissance podcast. Y'all already know it been going crazy, man. Y'all seen Ever us on since Houston, yeah. Man, look, look, we've been doing been doing numbers, uh, and like Jalen said, we got some big shit on the way. But y'all, y'all just but before That's we besides even, that, we got another great episode for y'all today. Yes, sir, man. This is another one. This is a brother. I don't even know how we didn't know this man before a couple months ago. Yeah, but, but this hey, is a brother y'all need to know if y'all if y'all sleep, you need to get from under your rock, man. Appreciate Look, that, man. this is a brother. He from Cali. Been in Dallas since 2010, man. He is the owner of. He's a techpreneur. Yeah, a techpreneur, black techpreneur out here. 
owner of Goodie Box, a smart vending machine business, has done. What, what, I don't want to. I don't want to mince yeah, nothing. I don't up. even want to. I believe up. my brother did over five mil in revenue or something like that. Just shy. We'll just just shy. <laughs> yeah, just shy. <laughs> <laughs> like on a on a business that most people don't even think about. He's revolutionizing some things that people see as a, this real analog where he's taking things digital, smart technology. None other than Mr. Max Taylor, Mr. Goodie Box. How you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing good. Doing good, man. Glad to be here. Appreciate y'all having me, man. Appreciate you coming on, my brother. Yes, sir. Wouldn't have it no yeah. other way. Thank you for uh, making it here today, man. Yeah, for sure. Max, so, like, just to get into it, like, can you give us, like, a five-minute synopsis of, like, who are you and how'd you become a techpreneur? Well, um, you know, I always kind of like to lean in, you know what I mean? Um don't come from a tech background, so, you know, technology actually found me. I come from a background of uh, commercial banking, relationship management. Um, so I just kind of had a whole bunch of relationships with multifamily apartments, convenience stores, shopping centers. So it was like hot buttons of what they call now the retail apocalypse. So, you know, I was kind of inundated with that, um, working on a distressed side of asset management, which essentially means we're going to work ourselves out, out of a job. So you got your sunset notice. You know that's going to come to a close. Things are good. We got less work. Things are bad. We got more work. Um, so, you know, kind of topped off uh, being a you know, vice president. I did some pretty heavy things. Reached that corporate ceiling. I was kind of looking around and just, you know, saw 10, win, 10 years out. I, like, I don't see myself doing this. You know, still got some vitality. Still got some use, some vibrancy. Everybody around me was like 67 years old at that point. So uh, salary was decent. So I decided to, you know, let me get into something entrepreneurial. Had a few ideas, you know what I mean? So Goodie Box had to be one of the ones I was going to try. And, you know, it was successful. So that's what initially got me into technology. So with Goodie Box, did you initially just start yeah. off? I want to know where the idea vending? came yeah. from for, for Goodie Box. Was it bro? just vending at first? And then you was like, man, this shit kind of like slow or whatever. So... Living here, so I relocated here in 2010. I was working uh, with the FDIC doing kind of same thing, franchise, asset marketing on a high level. I was living in an apartment community that's, uh, I think it's now just directly across American Airlines Center, uh, the Alta Design District. So we're going through my re regular routine, you know, going, checking the mail, probably leaving the gym. And they had like an old vending machine in there. So it had cobwebs and the standard products, you know, snacks, chips, things like that. Then it just kind of hit me. I was like, man, if I could repurpose this space for something tailored to people that live like I live or live in this apartment community, I would be on to something. So, you know, just kind of got obsessed with it. I would walk by there occasionally every day and see it was still in the same space. Cobwebs, nothing moving. nothing moving. So it's evident, you know, people aren't buying snacks Stale and chips like chips. that. <laughs> exactly. So that's when it hit me. I started researching my first uh, inkling of, you know, getting into the goodie box thing was seeing, okay, I know the kiosk or, you know, the shell of a machine mm -hmm. is pretty common. We could do, you know, find that pretty commonly. But I saw a need, you know, from how could I get more products in this space that, you know, almost mirror like a grocery shopping convenience store shell. So I stumbled upon this XY axis that was a robotic arm that would push these products in and out of this mm -hmm. shell. So that was where I kind of like, started with the guts inside of it. So, okay, now I'm on to something. I figured out how that would work, how I could push and pull the products. Now I got the kiosk inside there. So that's where it started, on seeing a need and an opportunity 
Um, and just really being in a place where I could take a risk, you know what I'm saying? It's like I had a sunset notice. I knew, hey, I'm going to lose this job. Salary decent. I got to flip it into something before, mm -hmm. you know, I'm stagnant. So that was clicking. I had, you know, come from a entrepreneurial background. People do, um, you know, family has some, some assets. So it's not unfamiliar territory, but this was just a really opportunity where everything started clicking. Like I'm saying, the access was working. Um, then I went next on trying to build the inside according to the specifics. Uh, I needed to get it inside, make it work, have the computer engine all together. So that was the next process on finding the um, the talent, on-demand talent, to put that together. Okay, so quick question with the access. So you took a whole different technological component yeah. And you made it fit into the vending machine. Yeah, for sure. So you see the, the first conversation that we was having about what we see standard with vending, they have what are called like spirals and mm -hmm. coils inside mm -hmm. that dispense those chips that get hung all the time. So that was the first inkling. It's like, Things man. Things that be making you mad whenever you see I mean, stuff. You got to shake that shit. <laughs> and then how my mind works, I'm always like three or four steps ahead. So I was like, man, if I put a cologne box in here and a person spend $80 in here and it gets stuck. The person oh, I'm breaking spend another shit. $80 to get it out of there. Shit. They ain't spending it. Spend I'm mad. about to break that bitch. <laughs> right. So, and that's the normal. So, the thought process is how could I, you know, minimize some of these pain points, mm -hmm. make it more what I would say frictionless and easy to dispense. Um, so, had my first location of 2015, got the flagship, so build it all together, had the working prototype, tested it out. And the next thing was, you know, creating products that really, really made sense to mm -hmm. this demographic. So it was all, you know, trial and error at first. Um, have a pretty nice inkling on what people want and what's trending in that atmosphere. We shop at convenience stores and stuff kind of every day and influence those trends on just telling, you know, those people what we want and they put them on the shelf. So understanding that aspect is what kind of gave my first round. I put, uh, you know, 50 products in there that made sense. Mm -hmm. Essentials, toiletries, feminine hygiene products. You you took it away from the traditional shit. Though. Snacks like, and like, all of that fuck shit. Fuck the yeah. snacks, the 50 cent margins yeah. and all that stuff. You went for products that people can use that exactly. are higher uh, higher ticket items. Right? Higher margins for sure. And that's where, you know, like I the preface that, you know, you're probably not tri tripping if your your snacks get hung, but if hey, I'm spending ten twenty dollars on phone charger and that shit get hung, you you kind of pissed off. Especially so just my make phone it, about to die, and I'm in the yeah. buy. <laughs> so just to make it more frictionless and easy, um, that's where I started. And like you you know mentioned on how did it get you know maybe so advanced? Um, this was really before the e-commerce boom. I think mm -hmm. e-commerce and things was always on the cusp, but this is before like Amazon packages was really hammering everybody like they were. So I was really early on seeing this need and this opportunity. This is before DoorDash. This is before Instacart. Oh, yeah. So this is, you know, where my thought process was on seeing how small and medium-sized format stores could be more effective than the big box retailers yeah. that is kind of out here today. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada -ba -ba -ba. At participating McDonald's. Hmm. So even with your products, 
How'd you come up with a solid list of products? Did you have to do some market research? Did you kind of interview some of the people that was living in the building that you yeah. was in? Like, what, what was that process like? So, yeah, I started out with gift cards. Uh, I was doing um, Papa John's gift cards. Uh, I forget a few others. But we're just asking people for their insight and input on what products do you hate to run out of when you're in this circumstance, when you're in this apartment? Um, what do you need immediately that you hate to run out and have to drive? Because mm -hmm. at the moment, the focus of me knowing how special this opportunity was is that I started learning about things I didn't know anything about. Those were the first time I heard about the food desert. I found out that the zip code that I was living in was a food desert. So I saw, hey, a grocery store is a mile and a half away from this location, although we got, you know, decent in income, disposable income, but we still got to drive. So that was the motivation, asking people for these questions, kind of market research. Uh, but then I found one of the, like, largest convenience store distributors in the country and they had some more tools and resources that would enable me to do like a query of like, um, so I put in a zip code for instance, and it would tell me the top selling hundred items that were in this area. So I would take some of that data, mm. um, compile it with the market research and tailor like a product mix that was really, really special. 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only, right? Nope. It doesn't matter if you're an avid exerciser or new to working out. Peloton can help you achieve your fitness goals. 92% stick with it. So can you. Try Peloton bikes, tread or row, risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only. Not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. And unique to that location. Um, and that's kind of been a secret sauce as of yet. Um, I still kind of do that query, but it's almost so fluid now. We just kind of really know what's out there and, you know, what to put in there to make it make sense. Man, that's dope bro, as hell. You, you're really an innovator, bro. Nah, I really like real. the first time from the first time I heard about Goodie Box. I'm like, dope, bro. Why has nobody really thought about this? Like I've seen vending machines like I worked um, as an event marketing manager okay. with this company uh in the Irving Mall for a while. Sure. And I seen a, a vending machine in there selling hair. And I was like, man, mm. why more people don't do this type of stuff, right? Yeah. Because, like, you, whenever you first mentioned to me, like, with Goodie Box, the biggest thing is the margins to me. Like, sure. what was... Yeah, because we had a vending machine, and the yeah, margins were fucking... The margins, I mean, don't get me wrong. Terrible. We still was getting, like, we was making good yeah. on snacks, right? Because okay. you, you pay 50 cent for a bag of chips. You pay 30 cent for a bag of chips and sell it for a dollar. Right. You got a good margin, but, but you're still not, playing with small dollars. Exactly. What, where where did the idea come in for you to like use bigger ticket items? Uh, possibly traveling. Uh, so spend some time, you know what I mean, just leisurely, China, uh, Japan, and studying their trends. Uh, but mm -hmm. outside of that, I think at the time, at that time mentally, like Europe was actually more influential. Um, so backing up a little bit on some of the, the mindset of how this kind of came about and how I could utilize other products. So a lot, a lot of people don't know Redbox actually started as a big vending machine. They had really? The, oh, yeah. That does make sense. It was a vending machine. Goddamn. It was basically all it was. Started out in D.C. where, they, you know, they had the DVDs and kiosks, but the bigger portion of it, I think in the D.C. area, they had a really, really large store. And what happened is that they sold off that portion to Europe that became its own phenomenon and just kept uh, the kiosk portion. So that the remnants of that 
innovation was fluttering, flooding Europe at that time. You know, they have other types of click and collect, um, what, we, what we call omni-channel solutions that kind of fall in the vending realm. So mm-hmm. um, seeing how that was really, really fluid um, and also, you know, the Latin markets were utilizing it, it just really, really made sense. I just felt like the, U- the U.S. market was just behind. And I was, you know, first first adopter, the first store of that kind, you know I mean, was put here in Dallas, Texas, um, and at that location that I was telling you about in, in 2014. So seeing that and bringing that here, that was that was the motivation. I saw it was being used other 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 locations and just saw how behind the USA was. So I kind of want to go into something else that we've talked about before. The difference between hardware and tech and mm. software and tech and how it's so different to even get funding behind hardware versus software. And that was a learning experience for me. So I created this business with that mindset. Okay, it's a business first. And then me talking and telling other people and getting in these circles, figured out how it was classified. It was like, oh, you know, it's a tech business. Then, you know, pitching it to other people. Oh, you know, uh, that's a hardware business. It was all learning for me because it's it's foreign. Um, But... What happened, like you mentioned, yeah, it's a totally different metric. All of the highlights that you see for majority of the investments, people getting fundraising here locally, you know, um, in the country, mostly have been SaaS platforms, software as a service. Um, hardware gets funded, but still not at the magnitude. It's a whole different set of metrics because mainly the, the ideology is that hardware almost has to be perfect every iteration Software is more fluid. It can be changed on the fly. You can make some changes real quick, and it's so up. Software also has, like, a, a lower overhead, right? I wouldn't necessarily say that, but the thought process is that it's just more malleable. It's like, okay, okay mm-hmm. if my software program wasn't working, I could go tweak some code, and now it's up and running. I'd have to okay. physically make another version of a hardware or a okay. product in order for it to be ready. So that's like my vending machine, it wasn't working uh, because – this dispensing arm wasn't working. I would have to literally build a whole machine again, just hypothetically in the hardware sense in order to make it make sense. So when investors look at it, that, that aspect, they feel, okay, damn, I can give you some money. You can get a, a software engineer to come in here and tweak it. And that's a lot faster, but that hardware shit is just a little more laborious. So you got people that you got, pro- um, you got parts and stuff you got to get and everything like that. Right. So like a Texas market, like, the VC is, you know, pretty decent here. Um, not as strong as on the coast, but everybody here is investing in software. You don't have anybody. You got to go to the coast to get in deep tech. And then, you know, me coming from the coast, it was like I, you know, just backed into Working this thing backwards. and didn't even think, you know, how that would work. So, you know, it, hardware does get, you know, funding and get its visibility. I think, you know, one of the ones that I can mention, um, Ring is a form of a hardware. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That it's one of my uh, favorite hardware companies. Right. Um, the new uh, metaverse type of headsets mm-hmm. are going to be hardware. These glasses, AR vests, those yeah. going to be so hardware. You know, it's it's, it's different, whole new animal, but it, it's still tech at the end of the day. Yes, sir. So Max, I kind of want to get into to going into that funding situation, right? Because mm-hmm. I know a lot of black entrepreneurs we struggle with that stuff, right? Absolutely. I know black black businesses are some of the most underfunded businesses in the world, right? Sure. So I know you, you've you won a few different grants and competitions sure. and funding from different things. What would you, what advice could you give to somebody who's trying to get funding for their business? 
Don't seek the funding. I think fundamentally all our businesses have gotten maybe drawn into the Shark Tank culture and think that, hey, I'm going to pitch an idea and somebody's going to give you a check for it, um, which is possible. Not to say that it's not possible, but the reality of it is that you're on the wrong side of the table or not the wrong. You're on the <clears throat> you're receiving the, you know, the, the short end of the stick. Mm -hmm. So being that if you come into a business, you have decent revenue. Um, you have more leverage in the fundraising negotiations. Um, the same asset class of venture capital is mirrored to uh, what rappers use for their record label deals. So the mm -hmm. same kind of ideology, okay, I got a record deal, you know how strenuous and, you know, messed up those contracts can be. 360s and everything like that. Similar in the VC world is that, you're going to give up uh, a chunk of your equity in your company. You're going to give up board seats. And you're going to have people telling you what to do in your business 24-7 in hopes that it reach, reaches growth trajectories. These people that got venture capital funds, they're looking to make 10x returns on the money that they're giving. Mm -hmm. So they're looking at businesses that have this trajectory for one. But, you know, as a business, everybody's not ready for that pressure. Sometimes things need to be meticulously thought out need to be researched, they need to be developed before getting on this commercial scale of growth. Uh, so to really answer your question, I would sell, tell our black entrepreneurs, take it a step back like we've always done. You know what I mean? We've had to, you know, be more inclusive, had to support our own, make sure that we're generating revenue before seeking fundraising. Um, it's important. Money. Even like seed rounds, right? Like that's not where you have to go through VC. Seed rounds, that's family and friends, right? No, those are two separate. Okay. So Break it's, it's phases of it. So family and friends is usually your first egg of money that you receive. And you can do that between people you know, typically your alumni circle, friends, and friends, family, and fools, as they call it. Um, the next phase up is kind of murky, but they call it a pre-seed and a seed, but it works probably similar on metrics. So you like, you may have revenue pre-seed is that, you know, you may not have revenue, but you got a dope ass idea. You got a contract with this person that says, you know, all you need is this to turn it over. That's where, you know, the pre-seed mm -hmm. will make more sense, but there's always some anomalies on some people that have some unique patents and some things that they've introduced. And it's advantageous for that group just to say, okay, I need to get in this early and see it through. Seeding is usually giving you the tools to make it feel like a corporation. These are the people that you need to hire to expand and get that Accountant, on that growth trajectory. All of that type exactly. of Exactly. So it's a, a scale up is what that seed is and then that builds right before the all of the, the alphabets, the series A, the series B, series C. And that's when you're making money, when you're rolling and then, you know, people are throwing money to help you meet those goals and grow. It's another thing with you and the tech side that I kind of want to get into as well. And you were talking about, not the tech side, but the funding side. You were talking about how sometimes these venture capitalist people, they have interest in people who might have something very similar to you. And you go in there, you go and you pitch your whole idea. And sometimes they just take your idea throw you to the side and they go back to the person that they have an interest with yeah. and they kind of help them win. That's grimy. Yeah, yeah. Like, so how Slime do you protect shit. yourself whenever you are looking to start <laughs> scaling and things like that? Man, that's a, 
That's a good question. Uh, it's an art and a science. I've experienced that personally on navigating, you know, the venture capital space. I think the most important protectant um, is anything of your intellectual property as a patent. Um, and that gives you a place where you can safely talk about your idea. Health insurance plans come with deductibles and claims processes that are confusing and expensive. CrowdHealth puts you back in control of your health care. Each member gets a personal care advocate and access to thousands of other members ready to help pay for large health expenses. Visit joincrowdhealth.com and use code HEALTH to get your first three months for just $99 per month. That's joincrowdhealth.com code HEALTH. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. Terms and conditions may apply. And if anybody does try to implement it, there could be, you know, ramifications or, you know, implications of you, you know, misusing that patent intellectual property. The culture of venture capital and everything is pretty much, you know, they're not signing on non-disclosures and it's discussed from them that, hey, you know, we're not going to steal it, but you, you, you got to know. They could do it if they wanted to. So, they got the bread already. The bread, but the circle is so small of that, like, to be honest, without having the exposure and this experience, it's hard for our people to fathom and understand what really goes on. It's natural. It's not to, you know, be, you know, dismissive or anything about our experience. It's just the reality of it. you got to go through these things and know what's going on to make it make sense. So, for instance, you know, these venture capital groups, you know, the coast, Certain family offices, they all kind of talk. They cross-collaborate. They invest in deals. Mm. So typically... Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. They have either seen an idea that you've put together or heard about it. So what happened for me is that um, I was looking for, uh, and we kind of got hung up in the idea of black VCs becoming more popular at one point in time. You know, there was lists circulating of, you know, this VC, this person, so on and so forth. And I reached out to a person that was a black VC, of course, at a white firm and didn't do my due diligence. I think that was really the lesson on that one to see what investments that they already had that could be a conflict of interest or could pose this threat for them taking, you know, sharing my information. So, you know, this, VC firm, Forerunner Ventures, as we, you know, go put them out there. So um, it was a company that had a bad PR track record. They put themselves out there to do something similar to me. But they were going to disrupt the bodega. You know, the bodega is mm -hmm. a staple in Latin American, you know, cu culture. So that was already politically and publicly offensive to all of the press the and everything that they put yeah. out. So they struggled for years. They weren't making money, of course. 
two ex-Google people had this idea and kind of ran with it, but they were trying to make something a little more too techy, but still with the same kind of ideology that I was, using the kiosk, adding some more updated stuff, but they were kind of trying to use machine learning, all that stuff. It really didn't mm-hmm. work. So the PR storm was really, really bad, and I don't think they could stomach it. They weren't able to spin to get out of it. It was just a bad stain. So reached out to this Forerunner Ventures, and the guy immediately responded. He was responded, excuse me. He was like, "It's a conflict of interest." I'm like, "Okay, fair enough." On and on to the next one. The ideology is just like you know, it's a numbers game. You got to keep knocking doors till you get that yes. So this company raised forty five million dollars and rebranded as Stockwell with some basic information off my website, just about being the you know, hybrid between traditional and online shopping. I mean, verbatim. Basically stuff. taking your whole fucking spiel. Yeah, but raise $45 million off of it outside of what they already raised. So that's what I'm saying. This, per- wow. this person this, this person that I reached out to saw, you know, I got a domain, all my name, my information, was like, damn, this, 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 is, what they, yeah. this is what they need to help them all. But what was happening is that I was already doing what they was trying to do. They right were analytical, here in but they couldn't present the actual product the way you was doing. Google people, you know, they know what they know. It's not offensive, but unless you're just really out here, it's it's a different ball mm-hmm. game on relating and not just trying mm-hmm. to have this dis- disrupt mentality that typically comes out of you know Silicon Valley in Northern California. Um, so yeah, they were able to rebrand, um, raise forty five million, and get private equity bought out. For stuff that just was off my website, so yeah, that's a real that's, story, and that happens. That shit crazy. <laughs> yeah, so you know, if all the mentality of our people, you know, what I mean, we we want to get fundraising. We see Shark Tanks, we see the headline headlines of you know people getting an investment. It's it's possible, but it's risky. You know, you have to know the right timing to go and approach people. Got to do your research and seeing if there is any potential conflict of interest and don't just be desperate. I feel like we, some people just still would be like, man, I'm gonna reach out anyway. Cause mm-hmm. I need the money or, uh, I think they could help me because they've done it before. Don't fall into that. Just, yeah, it's, it's risky. And if you don't have anything particularly to protect you, of course my intellectual property was protected, but damn, motherfuckers raised $45 million off some shit off my website. Yeah. yeah like that's, verbatim. That's, that's like, bullshit right so, there, dog. Yeah, so that'll make you want to go find somebody for real. I'm telling yeah, you. Yeah. Me, and, me and the guy had words, but you know, he didn't really respond, but I just kind of chunked it up. It's just like, you know, at least it lesson. proves that you were on the right path as well. Yeah. It was also confirming too. It was like, man, I'm just isolated here in Dallas, mid America and shit. The shit on my website is worth $45 million. Mm-hmm. So that's, that was comforting. Kept, like fuel to keep going. For yeah, sure. exactly. That was my next thought, man. Just keep going and shit. I lost 45. Shit's a hundred million coming. So. Facts. So. I love it. So Max, man, I want to ask you. So you have a traditional background. You said like in banking and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. What would you suggest to somebody who wants to make a pivot toward tech? Because I mean, you made a full pivot, right? Like you got the software and the hardware behind it. Right. Like, what would you recommend to somebody who was like, man, I'm in a different field. I think I want to get into tech. What What should they start doing? I would say maybe exploring what 
comes natural, what you're passionate about, and not just, you know what I mean, the, the financial incentive, the salaries, and maybe the lifestyle is probably alluring of sorts. Um, I would say SaaS, software as a service, hardware, unless you got some sort of, some kind of background and information and proximity, it's going to be really hard to duplicate, you know what I mean, what I've done on that one. Um, I feel like the metaverse and Web3 is a really good opportunity on a basic level for our people just mm-hmm. to really get into to tech. Um, it also gives us a lot of opportunity to solve some of our immediate problems in our community. Um, just right off the top of my head without just giving out too much ideas, I feel like estate planning would really, really benefit from um, smart contract, blockchain technology. But just on the microcosm of everything, it's like I feel like our people could solve a lot of our problems utilizing blockchain, smart chain technology. That would be a first focal focal point on where to focus. Um, we've just come past a period where um, Silicon Valley, venture capitalists, all of that money has really dwindled down. SF is not the same place anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, you yeah, know, people moving about the way that uh, way out of that out of drove. I, I actually heard a yeah. really dope quote uh, like maybe two days ago. They're like, "What the pandemic showed is that you know you don't need the best people to be in San, uh, San Francisco anymore. Right. Now you can work remotely. That means the best people is all around the world now. Exactly. It opens up the possibilities." I mean, just to answer again, you know, um, learn any kind of language or programming that you can find. Um, tons of them out there. Find something that you're interested in and passionate about that sticks. And, you know, at minimum, use it as a, a skill set to patch your resume and increase your your salary because now you got this kind of skill set. But if it gets more entrepreneurial, yeah, you can get more into Web3 and the opportunity that presents itself. Um, the likes of Googles, the Facebooks, they've won this phase of the internet, but the Web3 and the new internet, it's a whole new internet whole out new there. race now. And nobody has the keys or the business model to figure out. It's wide open all of again. I, I personally wouldn't have thought this would opportunity would be in front of us, but it is. Wow, that's that's real dope, and uh, I'm gonna ask the last question David normally asks. Man, you know that's um, my favorite question, bro. <laughs> so, Max, what is a financial literacy principle that you live by uh, that you can share with the audience? Hmm. For me, I would say that at this point in my life is that a financial pr- principle. I'm not chasing anything financially. I'm attracting everything. So just a course of maybe finding your purpose and walking in the path that makes sense to you and it makes sense to me, I feel that the things that are necessary, even financially, are coming to me. So a person I would necessarily, with a different mindset, I would have to ask for money. The people that are geared for me are finding me. So it's just a mentality change for me, one part. But then also, too, is that, you know, keep putting the work in. You know, the money is going to come. You know what I mean? Don't obsess. You know, stretch yourself out about the money. If you got something good, man, put the work in, the money will come. And I live kind of by those two principles in the moment. And, yeah, the bigger picture for me. I love it. I love it. Well, Max, man, I appreciate you coming out, joining us on the podcast today, man. For everybody that's listening that wants to tap in, they want to learn more, how can they – 
follow you on social media and learn more about Goodie Box. Yeah, what if they want to go use it? Yeah. They don't know where they can find some. So we got 30 locations in DFW. We're looking to add two locations here in Austin within uh, the next quarter. So you can be looking for those updates. We'll have press release, things of that nature coming up really soon. You can find me at CEO underscore Max on Instagram, uh, at Goodie Box, uh, Twitter, you know, LinkedIn, all of the above to get updates by anything we're working on. It's a bit. Well, Max, I want to say thank you again for coming out, my brother. Yeah, for sure. uh, as David said, you. this is uh, going to be the first of many. Uh, definitely want to do a deeper dive. There's a few more questions I got, but we're going to hold <laughs> off up on them. Now, we'll do the 2.0. It's a lot of stuff coming for us, and I'll be able to talk about some more things that are, like, you know, in the works that I can really fully share the next time. So. Yes, sir. Yes, bit. sir, man. I appreciate you taking the time to come out on the day. Well, this abbreviated version of the BWR podcast. For sure. Um, but... As always, y'all, we're going to hop into a couple house cleaning items before we get up out of here. Always, thank y'all um, for listening. Always, man. Y'all leave us that five-star rating and review. If you've I been listening it. to us for two uh-huh. years, man. Listen I need to it. This, this and you ain't leading on damn review? I, I need y'all to know something about your damn self. You a whole-ass nigga. <laughs> you really a hoe. Like, I need you to go ahead and leave that review for us. Man. Go ahead and help some other people help. I'm going to call you like he is. You a whole-ass nigga. <laughs> But no, like really, we appreciate y'all. We love the support, um, but continue to help us grow the show. Y'all support us by our book, Manage Money Like the 1%. Support. Six steps to help you manage your money better. We going into a recession right now, so I, yeah. a lot of us need that right now. So y'all tap in, man. And just know season four of the BWR podcast has been going crazy. Steady rolling. And we got more pressure on the way. Mm, so pressure. until next time, y'all. This is Black Wolf in the Sun. Signing out. Peace. Health insurance plans come with deductibles and claims processes that are confusing and expensive. CrowdHealth puts you back in control of your health care. Each member gets a personal care advocate and access to thousands of other members ready to help pay for large health expenses. Visit joincrowdhealth.com and use code HEALTH to get your first three months for just $99 per month. That's joincrowdhealth.com code HEALTH. Crowd Health is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. Terms and conditions may apply. When something happens to your kitchen, you might say, This is ludicrous. But that won't fix your home. That will only get you the rapper, Ludicrous. Having trouble? Don't panic. Don't be alarmed. You need to file a claim? Holla at State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's right. You can file a claim on the app or call us. Thanks, Mr. Chris. No matter how ludicrous the situation, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm, Bloomington, Illinois.